This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hit it again, eh? Today. One man down after three minutes against this opponent with academy voice on the pitch. I don't say that they are responsible for this result, but yeah, it's not. It's not uh, congrats, congrats to Man United. They, they worked us off and, and uh, never stopped uh, scoring. The most disappointing thing for me is the second red card because I lose another player and I have no anymore. So this is what hurts the most, to be honest. I think it's, it's not about the referee. We, we, we made that uh, uh, again. Um, not a good job. Uh, very stupid foul from a young lad. It was the first time playing. I mean, it kills everything. And then, then it's... What can I say? There is no scala for telling us how, how high it is. It is uh, it's horrible, but uh, we, st- we, we stood up after the first one, and we were supposed to step up after the second one. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. A dejected Ralph Hessenhuttle speaking after Southampton lost 9-0 again. On the road this time um, at Old Trafford in midweek. On the ball with me, Ross, on a Friday evening uh, with these esteemed gentlemen. Bob Holmes is here as usual. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Des will have a lot to say about VAR and and he's going to be spot on with with most of his points this evening. Hello, Des. Hi, and he has been spot on for many, many years about this (laughs) catastrophic introduction to professional football. It is a devastating, dreadful piece of equipment. And joining us tonight, blast from the past. We used to call him producer Andy. Andy Whitelaw is here. Hello, Andy. He also used to call me Young Andy. Young Andy, there. yeah, that was wow, <laughs> over a decade ago, man. Yeah, yeah, still, still, still is, still is. Look at the people you're with, you still are. <laughs> As usual, tweet at BFM Radio. You can also find us all individually on Twitter. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And check out our latest vid, TFIF on video, is out on YouTube. Right, let's get on with it. Southampton lost 9-0 uh, at Old Trafford in midweek. Red card for the Saints, Alexandra Jankovic, after only, what, 79 seconds on debut. We heard Ralph concede that it was a red, that one. But it's a harsh game, Andy, for Southampton, this one. Uh, consecutive 9-0 losses, two seasons running. Yeah, it's a savage one. It reminded me of that Ipswich result. Was it 95 or something Andy when United... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel really sorry for uh, Yankovic, only 19, for that to happen inside three minutes. It's against United at Old Trafford. You want to start big. You want to assert yourself. You want to put in a big challenge, maybe. They always say, let them know you're there. Manager's worst nightmare. Teammate's worst nightmare. You feel for him. He's going to have nightmares about that, but... I think in terms of what United did, Anthony Martial needed this. And they're going to take so many positives, so much momentum. Mason Greenwood hasn't really had the season that we expected him to. I thought, you know, him getting an assist was was important as well. They did it without Paul Pogba. And it was emphatic. They took them apart. But uh, the FA deciding to rescind uh, Bednarek's red card and not David Luiz's is, is an interesting one that I'm sure we'll get to a bit later on. Southampton will be back. Southampton bounced back brilliantly last time. I think you've got to commend the management there for keeping Hassan Hootel on and not panicking when he lost 9-0. He's an excellent manager. These things happen in football. Ten men with the talent United have got, it can happen to you. They've got to pick themselves up quickly and, and they'll know that they've had a great season. They're having a great season. I don't think it'll be too much of a worry for them. There's VAR involved heavily in this game. Goals disallowed, red cards, etc., etc. Go on, then. It seems rather churlish uh, to talk, um, to make VAR the subject of a 9-0 win. So, hey, well done, United. And this will obviously boost their confidence no end. Southampton seem to have injuries galore. But tell you what, it's another of these lines. If you're drawing lines on a, on a field of football uh, through television, don't. Just don't. It's <laughs> crap. Because they cannot prove to me that it is absolutely right. They cannot. It, it is flawed. It is error. They're saying it's 100% right, as they did when the ball went over the line for Bournemouth um, to be relegated in that Villa game last, last year. It is not 100% right. I'm waiting for the legal claim. And then the Bednarak. 
the Benracker red card. There must be some kind of intent for a foul to be committed. There really must. Uh, they've changed the laws. They've changed the interpretation of the laws to make this uh, a, a game for... Uh, it's a non-contact sport, except when they decide they want it to be contact. And then they'll change that rule once again. And then somebody else will have an object. Now, if the referees made that call and, and decided it's a penalty, I've got no problem with it. No problem. I think it's a wrong call. But the, to then go to VAR and support that call, when clearly Martial is diving, clearly he is making a forward move, and then not to, to change it, it just makes it not fit for any purpose whatsoever. I've been saying this, Ross, since this devastating piece of technology or equipment came in um, as a trial in 2015, and I've consistently proven right week after week after week, two incidents here. Southampton have had four incidents which are demonstrably wrong uh, in the last two games. It's crap. Yeah, and this is just game one, folks. It's just game one <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, Bob, you know when you go, yeah, that 9-0 loss, you can generally go back to one game. But now when you refer to Southampton, you go, oh, remember that 9-0 defeat? You're just going to have to go, which one? And, and, and that, <laughs> that is a massive thing. I mean, can players mentally recover from this? I know they're young enough, et cetera, et cetera, but it's massive, right? Yes, but they've done it once and they can do it again. Uh, they recovered very well uh, the first time. They, they ended up having a pretty good season uh, after the uh, Leicester game. And that was at home, wasn't it? Um, even more humiliating, I suppose. So uh, they've, got, they've got a record. Hassan Huttle knows how to do it now. And uh, he'll have to implement those uh, measures, whatever he did last time. He'll have to reintroduce them. I'm sure they'll get over it. They're a good side. They're, they're probably, they're not a top four side, not a top six side, but they're a decent top of the table, uh, top half of the table side. So I think they'll get over it. Um, I mean, they had a weakened side to begin with before the sendings off. And I was thinking that um, Jankovic's, uh, uh, was that one of the worst debuts of all time? No. Uh, remember Jonathan Woodgate, Jonathan Woodgate for Real Madrid? <laughs> I think that, you know, Jankovic didn't have time to get an own goal in before he got his red card. So the prize still goes to Jonathan Woodgate. Um, You've got to feel sorry for them. But as I say, I, I think they'll, they'll get over it. But they have asked for Mike Dean not to officiate any, any more of their games and also Lee Mason, who was the fourth official on this occasion and who ref the previous game. And that is quite um, something because as much as everyone moans about uh, these decisions, for a club to actually go that far is quite an extraordinary step. And it, it shows how seriously they're taking this and how serious the problem is. I mean, no one is saying they're biased but they're just incompetent. And that's the argument. And I think their incompetence has been um, added to by VAR. Yeah. And let's, let's uh, go back to the original concept of it, which I think was flawed anyway. But let, they, they professed to, for it to be a light touch. They were only going to interfere for clear and obvious uh, Incidents, And, you know, it was the Thierry Henry handball against Ireland in a European qualifier that was the final tipping point. They decided to do something about it. And they were only they were saying it's only incidents like that. The Frank Lampard goal that was a yard over the line and not given in the World Cup. Maradona handball, this sort of stuff. But now they've got this nitpicking and these lines and millimeters, armpits, elbows, toenails, all this. They never said they were going to do all that. And I think it's just got worse. If it was possible, it was bad in the beginning, but it has got worse. Yeah, it has got worse. But that 9-0 win, tell you what it does is it boosts Man United's goal difference a wee bit. Uh, Man City, that... Pep Machine continues to rumble on. Uh, their 13th consecutive win, 2-0 away at Burnley. Um, Andy, this is a city shorn of Sergio Aguero. David Silva no longer plays in that midfield. Kevin De Bruyne is out injured. 
And yet they go along monstrously, churning out win after win after win. Yeah, the word uh, I think in the previous of, of this show was ominous, and it is ominous for everyone else. They are a machine, aren't they, Ross, at the moment? Gundogan stepped up superbly well after his injury woes uh, about a year or so ago. Sterling, such a leader on the pitch, hasn't he matured under Pep? I remember yeah. it was seen as an awful lot of money they paid Liverpool, but it's looking like money well spent now. You, we talked about Jantowicz and, and him having a nightmare and, and about a so-called smaller club wanting to start well against a big club. But Pope, I'm sorry, what was he doing three or four minutes in, palming the ball out like that? I know the shot had a lot of venom on it, but it wasn't a great weekend for the goalkeepers, was it? And you've got to give yourselves a chance when you're playing against City. And when your goalkeeper does that, it, it puts you on the back foot from the outset. City were methodical. I thought the build-up yeah. for some of their goals was superb. And uh, proper strikers finishes, weren't they? And those opportunities will come to you at City. And the, the final third players are absolutely loving life under Pep at the moment. And the defence has been brilliant as well. You know, they're keeping clean sheets back to back to back to back. And it's the sign of champions. They're very ominous. Yeah. Um, Burnley went into this game in pretty good form as well. And uh, I'm sure now in the, in the light of day, they'll look at this and go, yeah, we'll take that 2-0 loss. Uh, which says everything about what, what Andy's just illustrated about Man City just call kill. They, they've even got Jesus scoring now as well, right? Well, the Pope bowed down to Jesus for the first goal for uh, <laughs> Manchester City. Uh, and, and Nick Pope doesn't make those errors. And this is just symptomatic of uh, City are playing wonderfully well. But they're also getting the breaks, the offside goals against Villa to break the deadlock. The early goal when Nick Pope hasn't made a mistake all season and he makes a mistake like that uh, to, to give the, Jesus the goal. So it's, it's all right. But you know what? I've got to introduce VAR once again because it should have been 3-0. Um, as a toenail offside, a line is drawn across the pitch uh, once again. And I'm going to every time they, 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 they make a, 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 a spectacle of the game of football by drawing lines that they cannot prove are accurate uh, on a field of play. I'm going to sh scream and shout about it until either I get kicked off shows like this or they change <laughs> never, it. Never, never. But, but it's, it's a ridiculous goal. Imagine it's nil-nil. And you get that goal disallowed. Imagine it. We've already had that with the Man City Tottenham. That was the worst case of it. Europe, a last minute of a European Cup quarterfinal and uh, Tottenham get through because Man City have a goal disallowed. This was as close as that. that. Nobody talks about it anymore. That's the shocking thing of it. And it undermines the referee's decision every time. This time, it actually supported the linesman's decision. Great. But they undermine the, the officials more often than they support the officials. I'm happy if the linesman's given it offside and, um, and, and VAR, uh, and, and we don't have VAR. I'm happy if the linesman makes a mistake. Um, but oh, it's, it's crazy. But City look great. They are going to talk about it. The fans are going to talk about it. I, I've been in touch with the uh, Football Supporters Association. I know the guy there, a general secretary. And he tells me that they're amassing reports from all fan clubs to get their views on VAR. And they're going to present a, a case similar to what they did with the uh, opposition to the Super League. Uh, they're, trying to, they're going for a Europe-wide thing. But actually, on the continent, they don't feel as strongly about VAR as, uh, as we do. Um, but anyway, even if it's just a British thing... Uh, it, if all the club supporters come out strongly against it, it's got to count for something, hasn't it? Yep, absolutely. Can I ask something, guys? Can I ask something quickly? Uh, it seems to work with Hawkeye in tennis. It seems to work fairly well in rugby. Do you want to see VAR dispensed with altogether? Or do you want to see it, you know, Bob was saying that they came in with this idea of a softly approach where they're not ruining football matches. Incidents like Lampard's over-the-line goal in the 2010 World Cup incidents like Maradona's hand of God. That's what it should be used for, right? And not ridiculous nitpicking every single time and, and, and people not knowing what they're doing. Would you see it dispensed with altogether or would you just see it used better and in the right way? Yes, absolutely. Categorically got rid of. Completely, totally and utterly because it undermines the authority of the referee. Every time it overturns a referee's decision, it points at the referee and says, you were wrong. You but, were wrong. But referees aren't... 
Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying there, but ref- So are players, so are players. So every time a misplaced pass goes, get rid of that player. Every time any mistake is made by a footballer, get rid of him. Nick Pope, get rid of him because he made a mistake. Referees are allowed to make a mistake. It's part and parcel of the game. Get rid of it. And I've also been saying this, if you can't have it right the way down the leagues, right the way down to the Malaysian Premier Division, you're making this elite stuff elite. Why is it not in FA Cup games? Why, did, why wasn't it insisted for Marines game against Tottenham? Because it's expensive and ridiculous. And all they're trying to do is justify the money. It's- okay. All right. Let's put all that aside because that will come back in again as we talk more about the football. Uh, very quickly, as we go into the break, Liverpool nil, Brighton won. The Reds, the champions, have not scored at Anfield now, Bob, for 348 minutes. Is it yeah. starting to become a worry? Oh, uh, it's already a worry. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, with City coming this uh, this weekend, I think this is really the last chance. Uh, if Liverpool don't win this, um, make a statement that they're still there, then I think they can say goodbye to the title. I mean, there's quite a bit of the season, almost half the season still left. But uh, the way it's going... Uh, these injuries really have been catastrophic. I know every time you use them as an excuse, it sounds weak. But I looked up the stats, and there is, uh, not too surprisingly, a website that shows the uh, how many matches key players have missed throughout the mm. season. Mm. And Liverpool's is 132. The next highest is United on 80. Um, Chelsea have only had 32. Now, that's a massive difference. And when you think that their three uh, first-choice centre-halves, or, or you say their top three centre-backs uh, in the team, only two obvious play at, at the same time, but they've all been out for the season. Okay, Matip, uh, Matip was only diagnosed as being out for the season last week. But uh, Gomez and uh, Van Dijk were out for the season from very early on in the season. And no, no club in the world could cope with this magnitude of loss in key positions. Everyone knows a football team, the, the foundation stone is the centre-back position, the two centre-backs. That's, that's your spine. That's your, your pillar. And to, to be without them, uh, it's been catastrophic. They, they haven't been able to cope. They've yeah. had a thin squad and they've had injuries in every other position. Yeah. Alexander Arnold at fullback, goalkeeper even, all through, all through the team. And I, I mean, they'll do well to get in the top four, I think. Okay. I hear all the injury, I don't want to say excuses, but excuses. But if you watch the game, Brighton controlled it. Liverpool had one shot on target. Brighton were totally well worth the win. It was a masterclass from Graham Potter. Sorry, we're going to the break. I know we haven't mentioned Arsenal. Massive year. Uh, Chelsea, Tuchel's uh, another clean sheet for him. We're going to talk about all that as we preview the matches. Stay tuned. Back right after this. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Andy, uh, Bob, Des here to preview match week 23. Now, uh, Aston Villa against Arsenal is your early kickoff on Saturday. We've got an Arsenal fan here in Andy Whitelaw. Um, Arsenal's fine run of form, Andy, came to an end on Tuesday night. Um, It was just a blip. Right? It was just a blip. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we, uh, very soon against Villa. They're not in great form. And wouldn't it just be the thing for them to rediscover their form against Arsenal? Look, that being said, the Gunners were brilliant against Wolves' first half. They were really great to watch, which is one of my biggest complaints at times. Because if we're getting up at 3, 4 in the morning, why do we watch football? We watch football to be entertained. And when the football's dire, it's pretty hard to stomach. Arsenal were great against Wolves in that first half, creating, Saka was brilliant, Pepe 
You saw that Pepe goal, you thought, wow. And then it was all like going to halftime. And I was watching it. I was watching it. I thought, right, they've got this. They've got this. And then... You thought they might hammer them. You thought they might hammer them. And then, you know, the red card happens. After seeing many replays, I really... The touch has got to be next to nothing. He doesn't change the stride of his run. Doesn't seem to have any intention. And uh, if they're going to reverse the Bednarek decision, I don't see any difference with this. This is a very strange one for me. And it is that double jeopardy, isn't it? Losing a man and conceding a penalty. You're punished twice, which is something that I thought that they were going to get rid of. But now, you know, the rule is very strange and probably something that's got to be addressed because it's about your intention. If he goes to ground and tries to play the ball, does he only get a yellow there? But because he's not tried to play the man or, or not tried to play the ball, it's all a little bit confusing. I'm confused right now. But what I do know is, is uh, that there seems to be a habit of players who haven't scored in a long time scoring absolute wonder goals against Arsenal. That fine with Tino finish what a was something else. Yeah, Beautiful, uh, beautiful yeah. stuff. I don't think they can get too downhearted. They've got the third best defence in the league, which is a huge issue for them in previous seasons. Arteta's done a really good job of addressing that. Players like Rob Holding have looked revitalised and uh, have taken a bit of the step up and he's 25 now, so he's improving. Gabriel will come back into the side and as long as they start to improve the final third, I thought taking Pepe off for Aubameyang was actually not, not the correct decision at that time. Pepe was having a great game. They've still got things to do in the final third and Odegaard on loan should address that. I do fancy them to beat Villa if they can keep a handle on Grealish who, who was good again despite Villa losing. Uh, yeah, just a blip. Just a blip. Yeah. Um, sticking with Arsenal, Des, um, VAR. So we, we've mentioned, we, we talked a lot about it on, on Twitter this week as well. Some of the um, ideas uh, that came up was just make the torso uh, rather than an arm, a sleeve, full torso. Uh, then there was, let's not have a referee in, in looking at, at the TV. Let's just have VAR running with the on-pitch referee. And then he decides to look at the screen. Any of those would help it, uh, Des? No, I, I, I repeat for the 155,000th time, <laughs> get rid of it because it undermines the referee's authority. I'm okay with referees making mistakes. It's part and parcel of human nature. But when they then refer the Lewis uh, to VAR, and then, then you have, uh, Bob called it perfectly, the nitpickers coming in. That has changed the game. There is clearly no attempt whatsoever of any way, shape or form of David Lewis trying to commit a foul. None at all. A running two players or any, in fact, Lewis is slowing down. He is trying to avoid contact, actively avoid contact. And they micro-analyze it, and they can't see that. They're not allowed to use their judgments anymore, referees. The rules, the laws are bound in stone. Any contact in the penalty area is a penalty. And it's crap. It's just you've taken the, the opportunity for referees to interpret completely away from them, and, 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 and VAR just supports it. Um, and it's changed the game. It's changed the whole complexion. A 1-0 Arsenal halftime becomes a 10 v 11 second half. Yet, I don't know why they are tinkering with what is a magical game of, of football. I just don't get it. Get rid. Oh. Get the, let, let, let referees make independent decisions once again. Okay, as far as this game goes, a bit about Aston Villa, Bob. Uh, Andy mentioned Jack Grealish <laughs> is in a rich vein of form at the moment. They had a blip midweek, but they're still higher than they ever could have wished. I mean, given that uh, start of the season, they would have bitten your hand off for it, right? Yeah. I mean, they had to draw their last game of the season last year to survive. Um, and a uh, good thing they did. I, I don't know whether Grealish would have even stayed there uh, had they gone down. But they've uh, made the most of their escape. They bought very well. Um, Martinez until uh, the midweek game was a candidate for the goalkeeper of the season and then he decides to make uh, Jesse Lingard's um, debut a memorable one uh, he had an assist in both of those goals uh, but they've done brilliantly and Grealish is the uh, star man and uh, 
why Gareth Southgate is a bit reluctant, seemingly reluctant to pick him. I mean, he has picked him, but uh, he doesn't look as if he's first choice. Mason Mount seems to be, although he is also very good. But I think Grealish brings more to the table. Um, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. And uh, some of those clubs that were rumoured to be after him, Manchester United, Liverpool, the usual crew, they might regret not pursuing him because his price has soared this season yeah. and uh, he, he may not even leave. I mean, he's happy there and uh, this is his club, the club he supports, and he, w- he could well lead Villa into a new successful era. They could, they could get back into Europe if they can build on this season. Mm. All right. Well, just like to say, sorry, just like to say, but uh, we haven't mentioned Leno's red card, have we? And that gives Arsenal a, a goalkeeping problem. Um, they've got the rather inexperienced uh, Runnison, um, who came on, uh, who had an absolute mare against Man City in the Carabao Cup. Uh, and they've also got Matt Ryan, who they've hastily signed on loan from Brighton. Oh, he's injured, isn't he? But he, yes, there's a doubt about him. So yeah. the chances are Runnison will, will be in goal. Um, so that's a bit scary for you, Andy. All right, I tell you what, we're, we're giving it our seal of approval and confirmation that there will be goals in this one. Aston Villa versus Arsenal is your early kickoff on Saturday, 8.30 p.m. Man United against Everton is a Sunday, 4 a.m. game. Andy, you called it. If it's a 4 a.m. game, it better not be a nil-nil, this one. Um, United, <laughs> I mean, how do you build off the back of a 9-0 home win? To, I mean, I know there are going to be no fans at Old Trafford, but surely, you, more of the same, please. Thank you very much. Paul Pogba to come back into the side. World Cup winning superstar midfielder. That's a luxury, isn't it? Dan James coming in, scoring a goal. As I mentioned earlier, Martial, a bit of confidence for him. They're going to be absolutely flying. For one, as a, someone who does not support Manchester United, I wanted Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to stay as long as possible and to sign a lifetime contract. Proving some of his doubters wrong, isn't he? They're looking really nice and confident. They've got a bit of momentum behind them. I think uh, it should be a cracker of a game with Everton and Calvert-Lewin scoring again. They look good, Everton. And uh, Gomez fit and firing, spraying good passes. This should be a belter. I I don't think it's going to be a boring one, this one. Ole Ole's even turned Jesse Lingard at West Ham into Messi Lingard. That's how good Ole is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right, let, let, let's let's look at the opposition here. Everton, I mean, they're having a great season. It was a two-one away win at Leeds. Uh, it has to be said, Everton are are better away from home this season. Des Corkill, I know you're going to be critical that they, they they celebrated two titles already, but this season. Ancelotti's pretty close to the finished product as far as Everton's concerned. Absolutely. I've actually been saying Everton are a very good side since the start of the season. I, I just, they got over, over themselves when they won the title twice. But they've won seven out of their 10 games on the road in the league. They are really, really good and set up to play well uh, away from home. I see Everton coming away with all three points here because United may take their eye off the ball. Look at that. We've scored nine goals. We're back in the title race. Everyone's talking about us. But you know what? Everton like to be party poopers. They're a, they're a, a strong, disciplined side, perhaps lacking just that little bit of uh, consistency. They can lose at home to Newcastle every bit as easily a uh, win away uh, against, against the top clubs. But they're talking a good game at Everton. They're playing a good game. If they win their two games in hand, because they've got two games in hand, they go into the top four. Uh, so they see this as a real chance of breaking into not only the top six, but the top four. They've got Bramley Moore still to come sometime in the future. They've got good backing. They've got a world-class uh, coach in Carlo Ancelotti. And they're hanging in there despite the odd um, uh, slip-up like the Newcastle game. Mm. This is a cracker. I see Everton really, really blooding United's nose here. Okay, well, Men United will check on Edinson Cavani's fitness ahead of the clash. It is a 4 a.m. kickoff, Man United versus Everton. We're off for a short break. You stick with us. More weekend previews right after this. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Tell you what, he beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. 
and once more footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with Bob Holmes, Des Corkill and Andy Whitelaw previewing match week 23. As usual, you can tweet the guys. You can also tweet us at... uh, BFM Radio, find us on social media, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook, and check out the latest TFIF on video via YouTube. Tottenham Hotspur against West Bromwich Albion is a Sunday, 8 p.m. kickoff. Spurs are trying to avoid four straight losses. It's weird saying that. They were near the top not too long ago, Bob Hobbs. But yeah, I mean, Thursday night... Uh, the latest loss, uh, 1-0 at home to Chelsea. Jose Mourinho was uh, a bit grumpy post-match as well with the reporters. Jose Styli, it's um, going to plan, I guess. <laughs> uh, he was grumpy with the referee. And uh, I think anyone who got up at four in the morning would have been pretty grumpy with him. Because uh, what Spurs played in the first half was anti-football, frankly. Um, I mean, they they pushed a little bit towards the end. Of course, they did because they were losing. But and they almost they almost got an equaliser. Uh, Vinicius missing a, a rather simple header that do you think Harry Kane would have buried? But um, it is looking like uh, that the Harry Kane team again, isn't it? Uh, that Pep Guardiola famously called Spurs a couple of years ago. Uh, without him, they're, they're just not the same. Son is not the same, a shadow of his uh, former self. Um, and the tactics are really mystifying. You've got players like that and you've got Bale on the bench uh, paying a chunk of his enormous salary and you never use him or hardly ever. I mean, what's going on? And... Uh, there was no attempt to try and win the game in the first half. I think they had two touches in the Chelsea penalty area in the first half. And they're the home team in this wonderful stadium. Okay, there are no fans there. But still, you would think that they would want to make the home ground something of a fortress. And Mourinho has always done that. This was the first time in his entire career that he'd lost two home games in a row. Now, there's a stat for you. I mean, it's a a tribute to to him, to his management. But after looking as if he could even sneak the title at one stage or win something, uh, the season is falling apart. And I don't think it is just down to Harry Kane's injury. In fact, he's going to be back sooner than expected. He could be back next week. I think Mourinho's not got the right tactics. He's overplaying certain players like Dyer, for example, who plays every single minute and is looking knackered, looks as if he needs a rest. Um, so Mourinho's management is under question again. And if they're not careful, Arsenal could actually overtake them in the league. Yeah. If only they had a clever number 10, they could play in, in the number 10 role. Like, you know, uh, I, yeah. All right. A, a little bit about West Brom, who are 10 points adrift near the bottom. I am coming to you, Andy, because West Brom have signed, I, I think it's a bit of a coup, Ainsley Maitland-Niles has joined the Baggies' fight for survival. I was reading bits about it, um, saying he might get to play his preferred midfield role, uh, you know, sleeves up. This, this is a fight. This is a test of a young player's career, isn't it? Yeah, he's 23 now. So it's at that age where he's got to start producing. He's got to start playing football. Is it only Arsenal who've dealt with this weird thing of players spending years on end debating what their best position is. It happened with Theo Walcott, who thought he was a centre-forward. It happened a little bit with Oxlade-Chamberlain, who wanted to play in the number 10 role. And now it's happening with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who is superb, actually, at times. You saw it in the FA Cup. He had a, a pivotal role in Arsenal winning the FA Cup last season. He's so quick. His recovery pace and recovery runs are, are very impressive. He passes the ball well and he gets forward well as well. As a centre midfielder for a top, top club, there's massive question marks about him. I think there's a reason why three different managers have not opted to play him in that role. And under Big Sam, 
are you going to be flourishing? You're 10 points adrift at the bottom. Are you going to be playing football? Or are you going to have to dig in and, and probably losing matches two or three nil? I'm not sure how it's going to turn out for him. And, and also, I'm not sure about the wisdom of sending Ainsley Maitland-Niles down to play for Big Sam or up to play for Big Sam for West Brom. Look at what happened to Serge Gnabry when they sent him on loan to West Brom. What happened there? He didn't yeah. play. Yeah. And then turned out to be an absolute world beater. Still bitter about that one. <laughs> I'm question marks remain. I'm not sure if this is the best move for Maitland-Niles. But if he is the player that we think he can be, he's an England international, remember, 23 years old, now's the time to show it. He's going to be given a bit of responsibility, you would have thought, and he's going to get minutes. So it's a big moment in his career. I'm going to stick my neck out. Tottenham versus West Brom is going to be a dour one. 8 p.m. <laughs> kickoff on Sunday. <laughs> Wolves versus Leicester City might be a bit more interesting. It's a Midlands derby. It's Sunday, 10 p.m. I hear Wilfred Ndidi and Jamie Vardy might be back in the Leicester side. That's massive. There's Corkill. But they're motoring along nicely. And a lot of credit to Brendan Rodgers. Again, it's, it's um, form away from home for Leicester that, that really seems to be, to be working. They say the crowds don't make a difference with the, the home and away. Uh, there must be something in it because so many teams have really good away records. Leicester have got eight wins from their 11 matches uh, played away from, I was nearly said Filbert Street, from, a, from a, uh, the King Power Stadium. And, and uh, 23 goals as well. It's, it's, they're scoring two goals a game uh, because they've got this ability to hit on the break, a little bit more space perhaps for Madison, who looks a really good player. Uh, they're, they're just liking that, lacking that extra support for uh, Jamie Vardy when he's not in the team. But yeah, they're, they're very, very good um, team, Leicester. They'll compete. I don't think they'll, they've got the staying power. I think they'll, they'll, they'll have a, a problem also as the running kicks in. But yeah, uh, Brendan Rodgers, he's, he was a great coach at Liverpool. He was a terrific coach at Celtic. He's proving he's, he's right in the top draw by making um, a, a, a team of Leicester that you wouldn't expect to be up at the very, very top end. And he's mm -hmm. making them competitive. Um, but it's all, all based on the road. Eight wins and two draws, just one defeat on the road for Leicester. It's, 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 a, it's a superb record. I tell you what, sitting here in Malaysia, you, you, you look at how Leicester managed. I think Brendan Rodgers is one of the best squad managers in, in the business. He really, really is. All right, a bit about Wolves, Bob. Up and down season, uh, they were pretty much down until they played Arsenal. And then <laughs> two red cards. Suddenly, they come away with three points. But that's going to do their confidence the world of good. They need to kick on here. This is a derby. Do you fancy them? I do, actually. Um, the uh, Arsenal game, of course, was the reverse fixture of the incident with uh, Jimenez and uh, David Luiz, wasn't it? Earlier in the season when um, uh, Jimenez unfortunately broke his skull and he's still out, but he is back um, at the training ground and running around and just doing a bit of ball work. So it's not inconceivable that he could come back before the end of the season, which would be massive for Wolves. But they're not in any danger. They've just had a disappointing season, and that's one of the main reasons. But I do think they changed their policy. Uh, the board even seemed to change their policy, as well as the manager, uh, right at the beginning, when they agreed to sell Diogo Jota to Liverpool, um, who actually turned, he turned out to be better than expected. They got a decent amount for him, 40, just over 40 million uh, quid. But, um, you know, he, he, was, he was a revelation until he got injured. But to, to let one of your best players go like that is a strange thing to do when you're supposedly building something um, with shrewd investors and a man like Jorge Mendes as your agent who can apparently snap his fingers and bring over the best Portuguese young talent there is. Um, so I don't know quite what happened there um, behind the scenes. Um, it's probably down to money. The fact that they, they sold uh, Jota probably needed a, a cash injection, although they didn't get the, anywhere near the full amount um, up front. Um, but uh, they, they've got enough good players to see them through the season. Unfortunately, I think the best they can hope for is just top half 
Uh, they're not going to get into Europe at this rate. But they do have the quality. I mean, you saw that in Moutinho, who's been in and out of the side, past his best, a veteran, but can still produce a magical goal like that in midweek. Uh, the, the biggest disappointment has been Adoma Traore. And he's been mucked about a bit, not played enough, and wanted to leave, apparently. But he, they've not got the best out of him. I mean, he was electrifying last season. Again, another player who's a shadow of his former self. Yep. All right. Well, Wolves at home, four wins, three draws, four losses. Leicester are great away from home. You do the math. Sunday, 10 p.m. kick off that one. We're off for another break. You stick with us back right after this. Lovely football. Speed of that little passenger play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Back with Andy, back with Des, back with Bob Holmes, looking at the big one. Liverpool versus Man City is Monday at half past midnight. Mane, Alisson, Fabinho could all return for the Reds, Des Corkill. Um, reaction needed. Liverpool's record against uh, teams in the top, uh, well, the top teams of the season this season is uh, played nine, won six, drawn three. They, they seem to respond really well against teams who try to play football. They have the problem with the teams who sit back a little bit. No, that's unfair on Brighton. Brighton didn't sit back. But they have problems against teams who do sit back and, and try and stifle them. So I'm, I'm less anxious about these kind of games, bizarrely, than I am uh, against uh, the, the Brightons and the Burnleys. Of, of this world because Liverpool will give it a real go. They need to give it a go because they're in danger of not making the top four. If this drought continues, um, confidence might slip. The injuries will, uh, are, are certainly uh, affecting them now. Um, but Liverpool, their players are top players. They will respond to Manchester City, um, win or bust, because if they lose, then suddenly a revitalised Chelsea, a revitalised Everton, plus the other top three teams, and even Spurs aren't completely out of it, then, you know, a top four is in jeopardy. And that is unthinkable. Bob, how can, how can Jürgen switch it around a bit compared, compared to the Brighton? What, what can he do different against City? Uh, not a lot, actually, um, apart from bringing back those players you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that alone will make a difference. But tactically, I don't think... Um, he can. Uh, he he never does change drastically, does he? He's got his way of playing. I mean, he's tweaked a bit with uh, Thiago. Um, I I worry a little bit about him. He's a brilliant player, but um, I read where he was in danger of becoming the new or the Liverpool's one Sebastian Veron, an uh, undisputed great player and brilliant talent that was supposed to lift Manchester United above, you know, take them to the next level was Alex Ferguson's um, words. And I just, I, although uh, Thiago came on a free, um, I just wonder if it's a similar situation. I mean, no one is questioning his ability, but does he fit in with Liverpool's style of play? Does he fit in with the Premier League? I mean, he has a lot of the ball. He, his passing ratio is very good. It's always about 95%. He hits the target. But you don't see many real openings that he creates. And with people like Salah and Mane uh, to run onto the ball, you would think that there'd be opportunities. I mean, the pace that they have. But he doesn't seem to be able to thread his way through um, the, the pack defences that the lower teams have put against him. And I agree with Des. Man City may give him a, more of a chance. I think Liverpool will relish this challenge. They've done pretty well in the games against City in recent years. Even when City won the title, the Liverpool game was always their hardest game. So this will be a, a, a real test. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Thiago goes about it. Uh, Pep knows him well. He may put somebody on him, but um, I think he's the key, really, to uh, opening this newly resolute City defence. I absolutely loved 
Seba at United. He was genius. He was. He really was. Um, Andy, City, we spoke about. Um, they're a goal machine. Well, not a goal machine this season, but they're, they're, they're churning out the wins and the goals have been spread out. Gundogan, Sterling, Mares have 7-7-5 seven, seven, between them. So it's, they all know what they're doing. They're coming here to a Liverpool side who are slightly ropey, rocky at home. It is, are they there for the taking, you reckon? No idea. Absolutely no idea. This could go any number of ways. So I'm just going to be honest. They've been methodical. That's the, the word, I think. Precise city. But this is a Liverpool side. I mean, you just mentioned, we're talking about a mini crisis. I mean, they just beat Tottenham. They just beat a brilliant West Ham side not long ago before we panicked with an incredible transitional goal, Liverpool. They're playing at Anfield without the famous cop behind them, which has served them so well in these big city games of the past. But if anyone's going to lift them and get them up for this, you won't need to say much to get them up for this one. For those three players coming in, Alisson, Mane, Fabinho, that is some real, some real riches to come into your side when you need a lift. So you don't, you wouldn't be at all surprised to see another famous Liverpool victory here. And it's just funny when a, when a rival is on an incredible run, 13 matches, 11 wins, two draws, it's often your rival is the one to unpick you. So I could see a Liverpool win here if I had to pick. I'm going to throw this question to you, Des. We all know how Pep Guardiola plays. But from a football perspective, if Pep went there and parked four buses this weekend and, and it becomes a masterclass because City are happy with a point, I want to know how you'd react. <laughs> uh, he has tried that in the past. He, he tried that uh, last year, I think, Man City came and they were a lot more defensive and it didn't work for them. And so he's, he's, he's abandoned that. He, City won't do that. They've got too many good players. Sterling is, is, is outrageously good. Gundogan is, is, is in the form of his life. Um, they, they won't. They won't. Guardiola's, Guardiola's a football man. Uh, he's, he's not a Mourinho. He's not anti-football at all. They, they just won't. They play the game in the right way. That's why when the, their success isn't, isn't, um, isn't, isn't uh, frowned upon in any way, shape or form for Manchester City, because they go about the game in the right way in a beautiful uh, fashion. So, um, no, they won't. All right. Uh, City looking for a 14th straight win. Liverpool versus Man City is Monday, half past midnight. Sheffield United against Chelsea is a 3-15 Kick off this one may not have a lot of goals, but but we've got to talk about Thomas Tuchel and and uh, since he's taken over at, at uh, Chelsea, it's been clean sheets, two wins, one draw, three clean sheets. Andy Whitelaw, um, is this a good appointment? Too early to say, I know, but are are they going in the right direction, Chelsea? You think? It looks that way by the start he's made. He's certainly lots of experience uh, working with Callum Hudson-Odoi, who seems to be kicking on and starting to fulfil that potential a little bit. And you've got to look at someone like Timo Werner, who won the penalties, had a bit of a torrid time recently, but you know that there's a top, top player there. Bags of pace, banged in them in Germany. Looked pretty good when he arrived at Chelsea as well. If they can get him firing, and I think Tuchel, his countryman, would be the man to do that. He seems to understand what he wants to do there. He seems to already be a good fit, doesn't he? Uh, Difficult to draw too many strong conclusions after only three matches. Sheffield United will be a test at home. They did well to come from behind against West Brom. Billy Sharp, proper proper Sheffield United man uh, with the winner there, right? So... If they can get through this and build a bit more momentum, like Des was saying, Liverpool should should maybe watch out. Chelsea are revitalised. I, I don't know. Massive ass. But but can Sheffield United, Bob, can can the Blades do something here? Well, I mean, they beat United, didn't they? Um, you, you can't rule it out. And uh, they've got a bit of confidence for the first time this season. Uh, but there's, there's a huge golfing class, uh, especially when you look at the strikers. I mean, you know, Timo Werner, 40-odd million. Uh, Callum, well, the forward players, let's include all the forward players. Pulisic, he was about 60 million, wasn't he? Um, and Sheffield United, they've got Forrest Castoffs. Um, Billy Sharp played for Forrest, you know. McGoldrick, um, I mean, the most expensive player is uh, Rian Brewster. 
And I really feel sorry for him. Yeah. I mean, he was the next big thing, wasn't he? Um, four years ago now, when World he, Cup winner. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the star players of the leading goal scorer, Phil Foden, was the was voted the player of the tournament. We're talking about the World Youth Cup, uh, the uh, under 19s, wasn't it? Under 19s, I think, at the time. Um, and he was outstanding. And Jurgen Klopp rated him very highly and wanted him in, included in the squad. And the, then he had a serious injury and never really came back to that early form. Sheffield United paid uh, 25 million in the region of 25 million pounds for him. But Liverpool kept uh, first option on signing him. So they didn't give up. They haven't given up on him altogether. But he's still looking for his first goal. And you feel that if once he gets it, even if it goes in off his backside, you know, it'll change everything. And he could well, you know, he will score four or five in the next in the next four or five games. It's that kind of situation. Yeah. But he's in and out of the side. Um, but compare those guys with the Chelsea stars uh, that they've got up front. And it's a different world. So really, you, you my heart would say I, I'd like Sheffield United to win, but my head says uh, Chelsea. But it could be an interesting game. It's it's the ultimate champion manager, championship manager job, Des Corkill. Thomas Tuchel's just coming to this Chelsea side. He's got all these top, top players. Pick a system, and then you can like move Ziyech, make him a number 10 instead of a wide player. Do you know what I mean? You, you can try all that out. Must be great. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's like Manchester United. Chelsea should be up at the top because you look at the, the players that they have got and, as you say, uh, bring anybody in and select them. But what uh, Tuchel has seemingly done is he's, he's uh, got Aspilicueta, the leader, uh, back um, being, leading Chelsea. He's made them tighter defensively. He's got Alonso back playing as well to give some natural width, although Ben Chilwell uh, did, did, did give natural width as well. But he just seems to have... Uh, got those players who are on the periphery of Frank Lampard's team as they went through that blip. And it was a blip. I remember Chelsea were somewhere near the top of the table at, 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 uh, in, yeah. in December, as, as were Tottenham. Um, but uh, So Tuchel is a very competent manager, but Chelsea have got excellent, excellent, excellent players and should be in the top four with those, with those players, no matter who the coach is. But Tuchel does seem to have made them... Um, Brought them more rigid defensively. Can't see Sheffield United getting a shot here. Never mind a, a victory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sheffield United versus um, Chelsea is Monday, 3.15 a.m. kickoff. That's all the time we have on radio. If you want more previews, do check out our video, TFIF on video via YouTube. For now, I say thank you, Bob Holmes. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And let's hope for a VAR-free weekend. Yeah, 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 try. Yeah, we wish for a vaccine that works. Um, Andy Whitehall, thank you very much, sir. Good to see you guys. Have a good one. And thank you, Des Corkill. I just wouldn't need to clarify something. I, I think there's a bit of debate. I'm, I'm anti VAR. I just need to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Never. I was going to go and do a Twitter poll. <laughs> uh, right, guys, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Some fiddle around the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On the Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.